guys, before we eat, don't forget to thank the Lord for this bountiful <laughs> penis! Bountiful penis! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Nick's Nonfiction. You're here with your host, comic Nick Munez. Today we've got a tubular one. <laughs> this is Daniel Fedkenhauer, a friend of the show's book, The Next Wave. All the way from the X Games to what to expect next in the world of skateboarding. We're in this intermediary period between decades, spine transferring into the 2020s where governments are filling parks with mulch because of germs. We're truly in a transitionary, I could have made a transition skateboard trick joke there, in between eras. And what is this next wave? We've got to trust this author out on the Golden Coast, working in the board shops, an integral part of the community, a contributor, Danny, is my boy. We grew up together, went to the same high school, used to host a show together back in the day. He once told me, in confidence, you know, I want to be a professional skateboarder when I grow up, but if I tell my dad, he'll flip. <laughs> used to take the bus to the skate park together, record little flip tricks on her alias. It's going to be a nostalgic episode and a very silly one at that. Everybody went through a skateboarding phase, and... Respect Danny. It wasn't just a phase, Mom. For him, he's making a career out of it. I've attended a Boom Boom Huck Jam. Got a shirt signed by Tony Hawk. Can you come up with a more tri-state trash sentence than that? <laughs> the Boom Boom Huck Jam. A guy did a backflip in a wheelchair. It's a big events in the history of humanity. We're talking about brands today. Everything from Spitfire to Supreme. Competitions. Rob Deerdeck, Bam Margera. Even in 2020, the Olympics, for the first time, were supposed to have skateboarding as an event. I'm saying this is a developing culture and hopefully a counterculture growing to get the sand out of that Venice Beach iconic skate park. Vegans are apparently getting into skateboarding. They have these bio boards. They grow their own plants out of the board. Face plants. I got someone there. I'm telling you, it's a developing art. Booster boards are out there. They have the super mega ramp. <laughs> What's the hardest thing about skateboarding? The concrete. It teaches you how to fall, how to get back up, how to get ingratiated into a community and support one another. It's going to be a shorter episode. And for that reason, we have over on the Patreon this week, the entire history of Mark Twain. Guy has an inspiring life, was a riveting speaker. Some say he's the first stand up. Definitely go check that out. Support the show support the author today there's pictures in the book as well well vetted author with discretion and about the author nah son i'm not putting my boy on blast we're gonna drop in <laughs> right after a word from our sponsors going so fast hope i don't crash one false move that could be my life man i'm finna whip this hoe Let's do this damn thing. There's only four chapters today. Chapter one, we're starting in the 90s. To give some context, the 80s was all about vert. You find an empty swimming pool in your neighbor's backyard and you get rubber marks on that thing for a sick summer day. Fast times at Ridgemont High, you know, 80s, all that crap. 90s, we're throwing babies into swimming pools, naked babies on Nirvana covers. <laughs> what a transition. 
the 90s skateboarders took to the streets big thing that carried over were flip tricks our author is the king of finger flips used to put out these 15 second instagram reels of insane tricks he's using friggin old lady pinchers to flip his board midair 90s you saw diy park pop-ups Embarcadero, San Francisco, and Love Park in Philadelphia were a couple of the famous breakthrough ones. You didn't just have to rely on rubbish to try to hit a 50-50 on. There was a new board shape in the 90s as well. New brands, new decks, 40 millimeter smaller wheels made for much more versatile street boards. And then, of course, the fashion, the puffy low tops. You remember Etnies, DC Shoes, owned the 90s. What the hell were they hiding in the tongues of those shoes? We need more air, sir. That's where the ollies come from. You pump up the Air Jordan pumps, and then you could ollie even higher. Baggy jeans were big. Could help you take a tumble. Vans and Airwalk were able to maintain their presence through the 90s. But if you're a 90s kid and you didn't have Etnies or a pair of Osiruses, <laughs> that was like the spoken shoe for Hot Topic. You see, like, they throw two-year-olds on skateboards now. What kind of shoes are babies wearing? Minivans? <laughs> 1993, ESPN was floating the idea around of the X Games. They wanted to try to get a younger crowd hooked. So in 1995, they had a Rhode Island tour. Tony Hawk won the Vert event in it. And in 1999, they kept putting it on. Tony Hawk hit a 900 there. You know, first guy to ever do it. His name hit the mainstream. That's four consecutive turns in midair <laughs> was he really born with that name tony hawk it's like um bernie madoff it's way too on the nose <laughs> 99 winners were taking home some big prizes which were getting funneled back into skateboarding more money going through the system competition got more serious in 2001 bob burnquist had the first ever perfect run in one of the x game events and then jump forward a little bit 2003 Skateboarding Street Park was added to the X Games, and, you know, Ryan Sheckler made his big debut. 13-year-old kid. Are you seeing nowadays? <laughs> Ryan Sheckler, you know he was that 13-year-old heartthrob. His family is getting stalked now. That much of a pretty boy that your mom is getting stalked? It's another level. And then you got Nigel Houston was mentioned in this chapter in 2006. He was an 11-year-old boarder, youngest ever to compete in the X Games. The following year, Jake Brown fell in that big air competition, you might remember. Not a lot of things from skateboarding go super viral, but that was one of them. <laughs> he did the mega ramp. He was like 40 feet at least, and then just straight down into the deck. Someone hitting a 900 <laughs> or breaking 900 bones is the same amount of exposure to the sport of skateboarding. And the 90s was the era of extreme I'm 1996, so I was an extreme baby. You guys remember Slam Ball? <laughs> Someone just said, hey, we like basketball, but instead of that wood floor, trampolines. People were done surfing in the 90s. They were onto those boards that are half underwater, you pushed out, or even windboarding. <laughs> you see those extreme people getting lifted 50 feet into the air by a gust of wind. I think we need another version of extreme basketball. Now that China owns the NBA, definitely keep Flores trampoline. Let's do hoop is razor wire, and the ball is like a rabid possum. The era of extreme. I see people out here in Boulder who are 
hang gliding off the top of mountains and then they'll spend 30 minutes just riding the jet streams or whatever you think they have to come down at a certain point <laughs> you could just glide forever they were pushing the boundaries back then what's the extreme sport now mukbangs transgender <laughs> running for governor is now how <laughs> you be the strongest man after the x games proved to be a success tony hawk was approached by activision and neversoft with the idea for a pro skating video game so they told him let's try to make some buzz for the game see if anybody's interested first and they took around the country a 900 challenge so tony hawk would meet all these young skaters and they would try to hit the biggest trick at the time finally 1991 ps1 came out with tony hawk pro skater i know people out there this was your childhood as well i played tony hawk underground that's when they jumped to the shark with it <laughs> And it gives you a completely unrealistic expectation for skateboarding. Your mom finally buys you a fake board for Christmas and you think you're going to just balance the meter when you go on a rail for the first time and then you break your shin. These games were the shit. Remember you could be Bigfoot and ride a friggin' chainsaw? <laughs> they had Tony Hawk Project 8, which made it a decade later. We'll check back in on this. But remember, you could collect the secret tape and... It bled into the real world. There was the skate combo you had to collect in the game. At skate parks, people were playing horse. You know, H-O-R-S-E, the basketball game. But instead, it's skate. And if you can't follow up the previous guy, you get a letter. So all these tiny games got birthed out of these Activision Neversoft minds. And in 2007, the skate franchise started. And that's by EA Games. EA Sports. It's in the game. Almost. Pretty crazy time. And we'll skip it later. But um, EA wound up defaulting after Skate 3 because Madden and FIFA were costing too much of the budget. You make the same game every single year, Madden and FIFA. They really need all the developers in on that. It really bought more people into the sport of skateboarding. I remember playing that at my cousin's house for the first time. Everybody, it's like my mom has a story about playing Pong for the first time. First time that you entered the Hall of Meat and you fucking bailed off your board off of the top of the Eiffel Tower. You remember your first Tony Hawk experience. That'll end the 90s. Chapter 2, the OOs. A lot of development takes place in this decade. He started talking about the Dogtown and the Z-Boy documentaries. They used footage from back in the 70s, and they were able to mix it with, you know, some 90s grunge music and some new video editing that was much more available in the early 00s. This goes to a whole new level. The development of Zephyr Skating Team was birthed out of that. They won directing awards for these documentaries. Now that there's some actual eyes on skating, you got bigger brand names getting involved. Nike SB started. Anytime a company that big comes in, it's going to stifle all the younger brands. But Nike did a test launch before, incognito. They came up with this brand, Savier, and they were able to see, all right, people actually like our shoes. But that doesn't always work. Remember the blind Pepsi taste test? People wound up figuring out they like it better than Coke. Just put your name out there. Nike, you could sell friggin' <laughs> vaginal douches, and girls will buy it just because it's brand name. <laughs> It took uh, three official launches for Nike to finally catch on. 
and then in 2002 they were taken a little bit more seriously as a skateboarding brand. I grew up playing free high school golf and Nike was trying to break into the scene then and it was like 2000 whatever 14 they came out with their forged clubs finally. And golf clubs it's just like <laughs> a mold that they put some cheap aluminum into but then forged is the new technology where they take a hammer like a blacksmith and then make it super vibrational so you got these guys hitting at 400 yards there's nobody in skateboarding that's putting boosters into the boards that's not just for transportation i'm saying we need like maglev concave decks <laughs> so that we could hit super ollies Nike started building their own team of professionals because you can make your own documentaries and then get a sponsor, but Nike doesn't make as much money through that. You got to pimp your own professionals. So they get their own talent around the country doing some of those 900 events. And in the late 00s, they had a custom elite performance shoe, one of the most affordable skate shoes on the line. They got Sun to carry it. And then Nike, by the end of the decade, is huge in the skateboarding scene. 2017, Nyjah Houston got sponsored by Nike. You know, <laughs> skateboarding started out as counterculture. We don't stand for big companies. And now you got a Brazilian kid skateboarding on top of slave labor-made socks and shoes and decks. <laughs> Nike stands for victory. They're surely winning. 2013... Uh, the mega ramp was introduced, but the processions to it started around 2005. There was a DC shoe event where they constructed this giant roll-in to gap to quarter pipe. That's what we know as the mega ramp. You've seen pictures. I'll have plenty of it on the YouTube. <laughs> I'm just imagining people beefing. That's why I'm laughing. You got to have some balls to send it down that thing. Dropping in five stories. Training facilities were being built out in the boonies in 2005. Danny Way was the first guy to take the mega ramp on the road. <laughs> and he went all the way over to the Great Wall of China. The X Games promoted his big event. He's like, I'm going to be the first skateboarder ever to gap the Great Wall of China. That'll probably be the background for the chapter. <laughs> People are taking skateboarding to the seven wonders of the world. <laughs> You're going to see someone try to send it down the pyramids of Giza. I'm saying this is still kind of the extreme era, the early OOs. <laughs> I remember I used to tell my mom every year, you got to get in here and see this. They're about to jump a car on top of the Louvre. This is the world event. We're going to the moon. <laughs> Nobody freaking cares. It's not a big deal. Imagine if we grew up around Evil Knievel. All the skateboarders my age would be freaking taking dirt bikes. The Grand Canyon. What even happened on New Year's 2021? <laughs> someone, the most extreme thing someone did was go to a grocery store without a mask. A year prior to the X Games, they had a big air event. And that's when they got the idea for the uh, mega ramp. And that consisted of a 72-foot gap and a 20-foot wall, which became the gold standard. We're currently on the mega ramp 2.0, which is even bigger than that. And only 12 skaters have landed a 1080. And a 1080 was a trick always reserved for those snurfers. Snow surfers, the entire mountain is your crash pad and your mega ramp. You could throw down some bigger trips, tricks snowboarding. And I took advantage of that through the school system as well, like golf-free snowboarding. 
If I didn't learn how to fall in snowboarding, I would not be here to this day. When I got in that motorcycle accident, one of the first things that went through my mind when I was going 40 miles per hour head first into the curb was tuck and roll, baby. You know how to turn your body into a crunchable jello. I bet if there was a plane accident, the only people that survive are skateboarders. MTV, 2002. They went from music to jackassery. That is right. Jackass debuted, bam, went pro with element boards. And so he was able to sign his own show, a little bit more in the theme of skateboarding. Robin Big gained traction on MTV. Same thing. They were jumping a rally car on top of that arch in France. Rob Deerdeck made the biggest skateboard of all time. <laughs> I was like, Mom, you got to get in here. The Guinness Book of World Records, they're riding the biggest skateboard. This is going to change the future. I was five years old. My mom turned the channel to 9-11. I'm like, how is this going to have any effect on society now that we have the world's biggest skateboard? <laughs> Robin Big. It was a bigger-than-life themed show. That guy was 600 pounds. <laughs> he had um the Fantasy Factory. And now, you know, skateboarders have clip shows. Rob Deerdeck, he does a lot for the community in terms of giving back, so I'm not going to shit on him too much. And then also in that OO era, Life of Ryan started. Ryan Sheckler got his own show. 2006, the IASC, International Association of Skate, founded National Observe Skate Day. It's kind of like 420. The people that smoke every day for them is 420, man. For skateboarders, bro, ain't nothing going to stop me from shredding a little gnar. The IASC also instituted a Hall of Fame so some notable riders have some immortality to strive for now. Why is there not a skate con once a year? Eh, we can't afford dues. 2005, Rob Deerdeck and DC Shoes started the Skate Plaza Foundation, and they stopped letting city planners design the skate parks. They got $100,000 to make something that's going to be used for probably 100 years. And you got bureaucrats try to feel out the best flow for a skate park. <laughs> so you got DC Shoe execs and Deer Deck being like, leave this to the experts. And it goes to a much higher level now that these guys with skating spatial awareness have the protractor. They're able to start the street league skating event. This is city events all over the country, varying degrees of difficulty throughout the parks, but they all had the main like run up to a kicker to a fucking three-step some standardization in skateboarding so i guess that's not too punk some competition it's building a little bit more momentum in the sport as a whole erie colorado built a street league skate park and they were able to siphon the soccer field money and they had this whole positive ripple a bunch of snowboarders become skaters in the state of colorado just a positive ripple deer deck is putting out there even with uh, Chanel's gummy chops and uh, Solon. Oh, Rob Deerdeck, you funny motherfucker. That show is just positivity. Sure, we laugh at other people hurting themselves. But what? Are they supposed to get hurt in vain? <laughs> YouTube started 2005. 2008 was when normies got on there. But a lot of skaters were early adapters. Danny was saying viewers were getting fed into algorithms for the first time. So you got kids who are only watching street videos that don't know that they would have been better at vert. So if like Tony Hawk grew up with the TikTok algorithm, 
he would have never known to try the mega ramp or get into an actual skate park. So the amount of people making a living off of skateboarding skyrocketed as well. In the early days, it's much more positive than negative. There's editors in the scene of skateboarding. It's just a lower barrier to entry overall. Aaron Cairo was a kid from Montana that started posting videos, and he received a grant to build a hometown park. Gained that much attention. Now you have 15 seconds to capture a million eyes on TikTok, you know, the amount of influence gets smaller and smaller. I'm saying there's not going to be the New Year's event for when someone tries to skate the pyramids. Someone's probably already on TikTok sending it down <laughs> the Aztec pyramids where they used to roll down heads. And he's probably just going to get a couple likes. You know, he's not even going to get a sub after that. <laughs> it's a fast-moving culture. Aaron, up in Montana, he tried the classic route making his own money slinging digital videos wasn't working until he started making how-to videos so all the hardcore skaters are like he's a youtuber he's not a skater kind of the undertext here is back in 2008 the traditional route may no longer exist to get sponsored through a brand just at some summer skating event you have to be an editor a friggin teacher a master, which is a completely different skill than being a teacher. But you gotta be Mr. fucking Renaissance Man to get any little bit of attention in the digital landscape. Jason Katz got big 2008 doing trampoline skating. And I did this with my boys. This is the most fun you will ever have. You take the trucks off of your board just so you have an empty deck. And then you go on the trampoline and start practicing all your flip tricks. <laughs> you feel like you're on the moon. It's pretty great. Twist some ankles, take a credit card, fucking board to the gooch there. I was on a buddy's trampoline once and we were doing this. I wiped out and he was double bouncing off me while I'm trying some new risky angle breaking tricks. He comes down with his two canine teeth and buries them into my head. So I was like bleeding out of two vampire things out of my skull and his mom poured his hydrogen chloroxide on my head, you know, to clean the wound from his fang bacteria and then my hair turned blonde do not put hydrogen peroxide on your head wear a helmet on the trampoline <laughs> jason katz he's finding his own lane the hate era was budding in 2008 could be the housing economic crash all these skaters are losing their homes <laughs> it was a pretty astute observation danny saying the skateboarding took a darker turn for a little bit as it does so let's finish this one, the OOs on the brands. You had Adidas, started to get into the scene a little after Nike, 2011. They had a re-entry, and they're still not all the way there. Who, you see any skaters that really respect Adidas? Adidas is good for squatting, drinking vodka in Russia, and being a Mexican, <laughs> a Mexican soccer coach father. Converse came out with their con division. Birdhouse came out with a desert ramp promo sponsored by Jeep. A lot of bigger corporations that have nothing to do with skating are getting into the cash cow here. And Tony Hawk's pro skater got even bigger into the 2000s. Baker, Shake Junt, Death Wish, really big brand names you might recognize if you're a skater started in the OOs. EA Skate is what we'll end it on. As we said, 2008 was when they had an addition for PS3, Xbox 360, 
and they had those flick controls supposed to be a little more authentic feel that shit was tricky (laughs) you know why not just play with a tech deck if you're gonna get that good with your dexterity just put the time into skating really interesting here another reason aside from madden and fifa that ea pulled the plug was 2009 they had uh rock band it was one of the iterations of guitar hero and they're like we can make so much more money off of people who think they could be rock stars instead of people who want to practice skating it sucks that they didn't fund both there could be some crazy skateboarding games they said back when neversoft gave tony hawk the opportunity to make pro skater he like lit up he was so excited with all the imaginary skate parks he'd been building in his head for years and he could finally just regurgitate it expel it into a digital form we're literally in this guy's imagination when you play that game and also in the uh, skate video games they had linked up the barracks website got really big the next decade and the barracks set up this march madness style of brackets for skaters and there really isn't like (laughs) the Daytona 500 or these big events for skateboarding it has to be like F1 or NASCAR where the biggest players are getting points and you could keep going along through the whole year but it's just about hype you know who could go viral the best that's the sport of skateboarding I think uh, the Olympics would have drew a whole nother crowd of people another reason for the globalists to shut it down there would have been too many dang good kids trying to break curfew this summer it's the dog days of summer right now if you don't see kids out there skateboarding the culture is dead a lot of development there in the oos it's when i saw the huck jam baby i didn't have anything for him to sign tony hawk like we won some tickets off the radio (laughs) and my friend's dad was like turn around right now that's tony hawk so i had this billabong t-shirt and he just signed it across the back i should have had him sign my tits I still have that shirt. I use it every night. When I touch it, I have visions from Tony Hawk's past. And then I use it as a fapkin at the end of the night. (laughs) Chapter 3, the 2010s. Beginning of this decade, you had penny boards starting out. And these were inspired by those 1970 banana boards. This kid and his dad reworked an old wooden design. And they previously launched it as stereos or crooked boards never caught on until they call it penny board and they marketed it particularly to college campuses they had the 22 inch deck and i think it was a 29 inch deck design just a kick tail on one side it's a really unique looking board you would recognize it three inch wheels between a long board and those little 40 millimeters it's compact those things are fun to ride shoeless too which you shouldn't do in case you have to run off still you feel the reeky Underneath your feet, you're getting grounded while you're skateboarding, brah. Theories of Atlantis was a big video series that started in the 2010s. Top-tier editing made local and northeast headlines, and they were blowing up a bunch of street spots that became famous. So 2010s was when you kind of started seeing spots getting over-skated. So, of course, in, like, Skating Magazine in the 90s, they had the legendary 12-steppers that some guys would be on the cover gapping, and those spots would be overrun forever. But now in the 2010s, if you saw a guy on Instagram skating a fucking mini-mall, you know that is prime real estate. Deer Deck was not done yet. 
with the street leagues, he banned with skating scouts using a digital sphere for talent. So they were judging people off of like uh, video entries nowadays. He could find talent much easier. And within the decade, the caliber of average skateboarder had at least doubled in Danny's point of view. That's pretty fucking nuts. And you see this in any of these extreme events, especially, but cutting edge sports, it changes. Like I just brought up golf before. There's that guy. We're past Bubba Watson and Ricky Fowler. There's some other guy that's piping at 450. Nike got really big, torn around with their own sponsored events, bringing Nigel Houston around as well. 2015, they had to start a female division because the women weren't scoring as high. Jen Solo became the Hope Solo for female boarders and goofy riders, and she was supposed to be our winning draft horse for the 2020 Olympics, which you'd think women might be even better at skateboarding. And I'm just talking about science here. So all my science fans, this is impenetrable logic. (laughs) Women have a lower center of gravity. It's based around your hips as a female. So you'd think you would have a much better way to flow and be one with the board. Whereas a man, our center of gravity is up in our shoulders. We're these upside down triangles. It's literally controlled falling the entire time you're skateboarding. You're just trying to flow with it and catch the momentum and go around This kid that lived behind me used to have a quarter pipe in the back of his garage so he'd see who could go fastest, (laughs) nuke it up the quarter pipe, and then do a really quick heel turn back down. And it was not safe. I busted my elbows up. I still have permanent scars. But when you finally hit a stall on the top of a little three-foot quarter pipe, you feel like Superman. (laughs) That shit. Jen Solo could have been the first superwoman when it comes to skateboarding. We got to give the girls the affirmation to fall down and get back up instead of (laughs) just encouraging them to be fat, big, and beautiful. I swear to God, if we lose skateboarding as a country, that's going to be a hard hit to America. America must have invented skateboarding, right? You're not going to see some engineering German guy. He would have designed a much better board. Brazilian people were probably skateboarding in the favelas for a long ass time like i said a caveman probably invented it marty mcfly (laughs) skateboarded a meat dolly remember that shit 2013 instagram added the 15 second videos and this paced content at an entirely new level like instagram was just pictures when they put out videos i was pissed i was like shit now i gotta do videos you know everybody feels this way with tiktok now It was the death wish to Vine when they did this 15-second update. And now people have the ability to chop down their hour-long documentaries. And you just have to be putting out content on the regular. People are just expecting more. I'm saying it's getting worse with TikTok now, which isn't quite in the book because it's a 2020 trend. Instagram kind of threw it away. You know, it's not different than TikTok in any sense. I'm starting to think that the reason people need a new platform, the next wave, whatever's next, is because we're too lazy to refine who we follow. You know, if you actually go through your own list of who you follow and refine it to refresh what you're seeing, it wouldn't feel as stale. But instead, we want the algorithm to make a new list of followers for us on a new app 
and for China to become better skaters than us, stealing our skating data through TikTok. Developing landscapes. You got to adapt if you want to be the next big skater. Or you could just claw your way up like the Tony Hawks and the names in the Hall of Fame did. There was a new uh, wave of trendy clothing in the 2010s. Retro sportswear was getting outfitted. People wore fanny packs to skate parks. It was just like SoundCloud skateboarding. And this is the exact opposite. You know, as a skater, you're supposed to be dressed in the baggy jeans. I'm saying skating went mainstream. <laughs> the days of compiling VHS tapes and highlight reels were over. You got to just send your page to a scout and hope that you got the goods. And they're going to rip your video and put it in their montage and not pay you. There are excerpts from Chris Cole, Richie Jackson. Nobody knows where the tree branches out from here. Additional social media is obviously going to be mandatory for anybody who wants to skate. But it's probably going to make it back to the skill eventually, rather than just the hype of who has the most followers. Because, you know, in any domain skateboarding, I'm thinking comedy and anything, the funniest people don't have the most followers. <laughs> not referring to myself, I suck. That's what I did at skateboarding. But I was pretty fucking good. And I'm not quitting at this. TikTok beware. 2010s. This is rare. I'm talking about all the social media that's popping up. A successful magazine was able to start. Jankum Magazine. <laughs> it's an anomaly. Why don't you just name it Feces? Do, you, do we know what Jankum is? I've made jokes about it before on the show. It's the cheapest way to get high. And it's getting high on your own supply at that. <laughs> All you need is a paper bag and a ripe dump ready to go. And then you huff in your own feces and the fumes get you super blasted. <laughs> Remember the kid who would like pop his lunch bag in the middle of school cafeteria lunch? I bet you can't do that nowadays because everybody thinks it's a school shooting. That's the type of kid that's doing jankum under the freeway. We're all making paper bag puppets and he's farting in it and inhaling it. <laughs> that was called the butter cup <laughs> when you would fart in your hand and then put it on your friend's nose or the gas mask. Jenkum magazine. Buttercup magazine. <laughs> yeah, they uh, made their debut in the 2010s. They had this series that went viral. Because the guy took acid and started going to skate tournaments and he had the best descriptions of it, watching the people turn the concrete into water. Thrasher is also the bigger name, you know, has a magazine. They were going through their 30th anniversary in 2013. They had an early 80s launch. They were the most popular Facebook and Instagram page on skateboarding through the 2010s. I remember sending Thrasher and I would send Barracks to my boys just little clips Jake Phelps did a column for them called Bust or Bail popular within the skating community All Timers was a brand that launched in 2014 they went famous with a Ryan Gosling and a Rihanna deck New Balance came out with their skating line Numeric they spent the time to actually develop the products correctly they had this new sole technology for their shoes Plan B came out with their sub-brand Girl, which got really popular. Vanessa Torres uses their boards. Brave Girl, not just getting 10 feet of air, but showing up to that skateboard sausage party every day. Santa Cruz made NHS 
they're that notorious longboarding company you've seen Santa Cruz in Attilies or like um yeah, packs on any of those stores. They all carry Santa Cruz. And they're all just starting their little sub brands. The West LA Courthouse was a really big skating brand known throughout the whole world and they finally legalized skating. I wonder if they reversed that in the recent future. I was out I got to see the Venice Park, the famous skate park full of sand, like uh, a little over a year ago now. And it was the saddest thing. It was like a litter box for all of the hobos that are now overrunning that beach town. (laughs) Fucking disgrace. And that West L.A. courthouse was a level in the Tony Hawk games as well. It was that famous. And so a bunch of skaters in 2014 scrapped together $50,000 to pull off some maintenance They think it should be open for a much longer time. Nike Skateboarding held an event there, and they had Eric Costin coordinate it. He's one of the big um, Barcelona-inspired skaters. And then wrapping up with a few more brands for the 2010s, Globe had their 30th anniversary, and this is the father company to Supreme. Supreme is now on 24-ish years, (laughs) and uh, you know the brand, the Red Rectangle. I think Supreme Patty built that entire brand. You know, who heard of this shit before that red bucket hat? And the only person that put that bucket hat on the scene was that kid on Instagram who was squeezing lemons into his eyes. There were videos where he would skateboard off of his roof into his pool. He would, like, light himself on fire. He was our evil Knievel. And he would just, like, say Supreme. He would throw patties into fucking drive throughs that's what skateboarding was. It used to be jug smashing, you know, fucking shredding the cheese, skateboarding inside of a grocery store. Oh, we used to spray paint, bro, poop where there were no dumping signs. It was about a little bit of vandalism. The cops were on edge when they saw you. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but the cops ask if they could hit a kickflip on your board. <laughs> and then they shoot you. Supreme, it's just like the perfect example of our hype culture um the original store looked more like a trading floor than some retail boutique and they had this original floor plan carried out into their stores over in japan they have one in europe a couple more in asia and uh yeah i said that bucket hat the cotton hoodie was blown up by mark gonzalez and jason dill a couple skaters and they were targeting 18 to 25-year-olds. In 2018, Supreme was valued at $1 billion. <laughs> For what? What do they make? What are, what value are they providing to the world? A billion dollars? <laughs> they have their sub-brands now. The Friendship Weekend Pizza. I wonder how much Life Straw is evaluated at. <laughs> Love Park in Philadelphia closed in 2016 because of the homeless overran it and the city just rezoned the park that's kind of where we started in the 1990s it was one of the first places that skaters took over in the public square and said no this is our park now we're not hiding in the backyards anymore yeah sad shit like i'm saying that's exactly what some a trend unfortunately just like um venice beach i don't think it has anything to do with viruses at this point it's just like (laughs) we're not doing public parks anymore bring a gun you're on your own (laughs) skating with a gun 
That could be my new thing. <laughs> I fucking miss skateboarding, man. Even in college, I was in Newark, Delaware. It was not exactly... Actually, I do know a kid that went professional in scootering from Newark. His name was Tony Christiana. And I would see him at this tiny skate park in the back behind University of Delaware. This kid fucking ripped. I know you're not supposed to like scooters as a skateboarder. <laughs> but this kid, he was risking it all. You know when you flip the scooter around and almost hit yourself in the ankle ball? He was fearless. I saw him do a flip on a fucking scooter above concrete. I mean, I was just doing little flips, doing pump tracks over there. I could still hit a little moving, like, indie, a little midair grab. But then I stopped practicing by my senior year, and I would go back, be even worse falling all over, and Tony Christiana was throwing down 1080s. <laughs> go give that guy a follow. And again, definitely grab this book. The pictures say more than I'm able to here. I would really encourage people to get their kids into skateboarding too. I know we have like a 35 to 50 is a third of our audience. And you're not too old to stop skateboarding yourself. You're just going to be a lot more sore the following days. Teach your kid to fall down. And you might think, oh, they're just a bunch of weed smoking skaters out there by the park. That too. But who's to say <laughs> your kid's not just going to smoke weed and play video games? You know, lazy people get a hold of drugs. That's my point is, it's a really positive self-building activity that you can't cheat at. That's a really big thing as well. You either land the trick or you don't. Unfortunately, I feel like a lot of kids are just getting into the sport for the hype now. Like my first skateboard, I took out trash for months to save up a little bit of a allowance to go into a skate shop and buy a real board. I remember it was like a $60 board. It was literally the cheapest deck wheels and trucks that I could buy. And I still have that board. It's my fucking blood and soul. I remember every time I would bleed because I was a hardcore skater, I would put a little bit of the blood on my grip tape. <laughs> it's cringy when you look back at it, but it really does build you up. And it teaches you fiscal responsibility too, apparently. Um, Element, he was bringing up, had their 25th anniversary here. Enjoy, Almost, Dark Star. So some really big brands that people my age were growing up with are 30 years deep now. And damn, Daniel, back at it again with the white vans. Vans had their 50th anniversary. Shoe manufacturer from Massachusetts that started in the 60s. The guy's name was Van Doren. And in 1991, he went public on NASDAQ. 2000 was named one of the best small companies by Forbes. Vans has got to be one of the biggest success stories in skating. Global HQ is in Costa Mesa, California. 2017, they had Lizzie Amardo, the first woman to be on the cover of Thrasher magazine. Vans, top of the game. They had the Vans tour growing up. If you didn't go to a Warp tour sponsored by Vans, you're not truly from the East Coast. <laughs> I saw um, Lupe Fiasco at a Do tour. There were people like skateboarding half pipes while he's singing the show goes on if you ever put your hands up in the air believe in yourself it was the perfect music for 13 year olds looking to have a concert on the beach Ocean City, Maryland 2012, I'll never forget let's go to chapter 4 final chapter looking forward people reminisce on the glory days of endless summer from the 70s and the 90s 
Danny says those are days to return. Skating is an ebb and a flow. Sometimes you fall, sometimes you hit a perfect line. And by the decades, we do go into those hate eras. Tony Hawk's foundation was celebrating their 15th anniversary recently. They received grants of over $6 million and donated all of it to 500 parks in the 50 states. He said he put money towards Skatistan, this place in Afghanistan. Maybe I've made the corny hippie comparison that music could save the world. Pretty sure if I head over to Fallujah with a fucking element skateboard, I can make more friends than with an M4. Skatistan. That IASC, Skating Association, they are having their 10th anniversary of the Skateboarding Hall of Fame. So Tony Alva, Danny Way, Donny Hawk all got recognized. Donny. Donny Hawk making the donations. In Simi Valley, they have the Skateboarding Hall of Fame Museum. And they have this old board from the 1950s. It has metal wheels and the deck is made out of clay. And that's just from the 50s. So maybe that is a little tip of the hat in Back to the Future that skateboarding did start in the 50s more or less. But again, there was a small fad. There wasn't a scene until the 70s. And it brings us to today. The Tokyo 2020 Olympics. I'm pretty pissed we're not going to get to see this. The Olympic International Committee, I'm saying, they don't like the roller sports. It's too hip. Oh my god, when I was around Venice Beach, the hottest hottest tens California girls on rollerblades with a boombox on their shoulder no doubt they're tripping balls but I was going to ask them for a couple tabs as well I mean that's the life rolling around on the beach you know those are the type of girls I feel like skateboarding is a bit of a sign for a liberated populace that's terribly put into words but it's like uh, the summer of love people are suggesting that after lockdown <laughs> I don't believe this. We're so pent up, we're going to want to go outside. I'd like to see it. And if that is the case, there are going to be a lot more topless chicks on roller skates, even here in Boulder. Boulder Skate Park is pretty good, too. Um, Yeah, people are just conditioned to stay inside now. We didn't get more pent up, and the pendulum ain't swinging either way. Watch your Netflix. <laughs> Tokyo 2020 Olympic skateboarding that would have gotten like third world countries more ingratiated into it and then they would have looked up to America more again as well because we got the best skaters Tony Hawk in the Olympics bruh imagine him on the podium with fucking uh Edwards Snowden Sean Sean White <laughs> that's a better snowboarding name Edward Snowden's got to get into the X Games <laughs> Sean White you know, he wins like eight events every year. That guy is built different. The way you see him send it into the half pipe, it's utterly apparent within the first air he takes that this guy's on another playing field. Tony Hawk, I would have loved to see him throw down some 1080s in the middle of Tokyo. <laughs> Did you ever see those events? There's um a downhill ice skating event. <laughs> You know, you're always scared of getting your fingers chopped off when you're skateboarding. This shit will get your neck chopped off. They wear pads as well. We got to bring back the extreme era. Who's to say 2020s? Let's catch some big waves, ladies and gentlemen. Waves of extremeness and waves of liberty. Hopefully we get to see... I don't know if they like um, 
delayed the Olympics, but I'm saying hopefully in 2024 they do reinstate this. They were going to do a street event, a vert event, and then a big ramp event. And then they were doing no more than three riders per country. The USA officially had, like, qualifiers from the Dew Tour. I'm telling you, we would have killed it. That's more gold for the US of A. Nike and Toyota said they would sponsor the American team in 2008. It's a developing landscape. The next wave by Danny Fedkenhauer. What's it going to be? The youth. The future is in your hands. I want to see you guys falling down on the concrete a little bit more. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Definitely go grab a copy of this book. It's a great read. Looks beautiful on the shelf. Fun to thumb through from time to time. We are trucking along here in July. As I said this week, you got a brand new Patreon video. And it's a whip clip. It's your boy's face talking to both of the cameras. Again, the entire history of Mark Twain. And then next week on the show, we have... Lao Tzu's Tao De Ching. Getting philosophical with it. This is the pinnacle of East versus West. I don't know if we're going to set it up as a match, a point for point, tit for tat again. But it's an eight chapter book. And it's some of the most famous sayings you've ever heard. The journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. It's like the world's oldest self-help book. It's fucking 2,000 years old. It's going to be really cool. Much like skating, it's going to be about bettering yourself. Definitely tune into that episode. We've got some bangers coming up. Thank you guys for staying tuned for another edition of Nick's Nonfiction. Short one, silly one. Support the author, support the show. My name is Nick Muniz. See you guys in a week. Later.